Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for June 30th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. We have a great show for you lined up today. NBA Talk is going to be a limit, a little bit limited. I'm getting this out a little bit later than I wanted to. I apologize for that. Crazy week. So I can't really talk about the moving and the shaking and everything that's going on. I will talk about it, though, on the ETOF21 Sports. So it comes out on Tuesday. So make sure to check that out. But I will say this, it's kind of funny to me how certain people get a pass. And my question to everybody is this, why does Joel Embiid constantly get a pass? Why is Joel Embiid constantly allowed to get passes? When you look at the series against the Celtics, Harden played better. Harden was a better player in that series. And he got them in a position to win. Now, granted, did he kind of fizzle out in game seven, fizzled out in game six toward the end? Yeah, he did. But they were in a position to win because of him. But no one talks about how Embiid sucked. No one talks about how Embiid went back in the game to pad his stats. Nobody talks about that. And it just amazes me how the media... These guys on ESPN, again, sorry to everyone that got laid off. That's awful news. Never wish that on anybody. Just give these guys pass after pass after pass after pass. It just makes absolutely zero sense to me. I mean, I'm going to be interested to see where these guys go. Obviously, I'm not going to go into where everyone goes now just because it's zero point to it. Just because I, I, God only knows I'll be right. I could give my two cents, but there's no point in that. I'll have a whole reaction this Tuesday on the ETOF21 Sports Show. We have a great show for you today. Jim, a.k.a. XFL Jim, comes on. Him and I are going to talk some USFL, CFL, what to bet, the whole nine yards. Also, Nick is back. Nick and I are going to talk about the Cleveland Browns and the Tennessee Titans in terms of fantasy and Brandon and I are going to be going for lucky number six in a row in NASCAR. So let's jump right into it and let's talk some USFL and some CFL. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking some USFL championship and CFL week four bets. And who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend, XFL, USFL, Jim. Jim, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing fantastic. What a great time to be alive. USFL championships, the CFL, the start of the season. It's a great time to be a football fan. You know, we got our college football previews going on with me, you and Chase. Uh, make sure to check those out. We have the um, Mac that came out on Thursday. And last Thursday, we did Conference USA. Mountain West is right around the corner. So make sure to check those out. Always giving out futures. Jim. It's kind of a future uh, – I don't want to use the term future whore, but you're kind of a future whore. I kind of am. I'm a future whore and a win total whore. Yeah, but, you know, I respect you for that. Um, but we're not here to talk about college football. We're here to talk some CFL. We're going to start off week four. Obviously, the big news here is we thought that the Redbacks quarterback was going to be back for this game, coming back from last year's season-ending injury, but it doesn't look – Per Roto Wire, that he is going to be back. They're going to actually be per up. CFL. He's not starting. Like per actual, CFL, okay. Yeah, per right. CFL, he's actually just not starting. So the line's two and a half over under forty two. Elks are getting two and a half. Is this where the Red Blacks? Is this where they bounce back and finally win a game? Elks straight up. These teams don't win at home. The Red Blacks and the Elks fade them at home. Keep that going, baby. Don't overthink it. Give me the Elks straight up. So Jim likes the plus 120. I have hopes. I want to lay the minus two and a half. Maybe I'm just an old stubborn man. I don't know. I'll, I'll take hate the, it. I'll take the Red Blacks minus two and a half. Why not? Um, next one, we are going to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who are, I'll be honest, embarrassed. We haven't seen a manhandle like that in a while. Again, from the BC Lions last week, they're laying six against Montreal. Over under is 48 and a half. To me, that's a lot of points to be laying on the road. Yeah, it is. It seems a little steep. I don't want to touch this game. If I lean anything, though, I do probably still take Winnipeg in a bounce-back spot. 
I would maybe touch the over, maybe. But I don't really like this one. This one kind of is just like a stay away. This is a see what happens game. This is the kind of game that you see the outcome, and that determines your bets for like the next two to three weeks. So this is a, this is a learning game for you. This is this is a study, observe, and learn game. Study, observe, and learn game. Yes, a soul game. To me, this is a pass game, my friend. Oh yeah, for I'm sure. Passing. I'm passing on this. Uh, I'm passing as well. Only three games this week. This game is July third. BC Lions laying two and a half against Toronto over under 48. How do we not fade BC after the beatdown of last week? It's fair, but they're like such a tight favorite that I almost want to take them because I Toronto has looked they've been like steamrolling the teams, but if you look at who they've played, they've played two of the worst teams in the league in Hamilton and Edmonton. So they might be a paper tiger. So I guess like this is going to be a thing where we're going to wait and see what's happening. And then after we see what's happening, this This is is another study, observe and learn game, Eric. This is another one of where you just sit back, get your opinions. I will bet the over. That's the only bet I like in this game. But other than that, I'm not touching. So I am looking at the Ottawa Citizen. The biggest daily paper in Ottawa. And per them, one more week. So next week, Masoli's. And also, Devontae Deadman is out for the year with an injury. Yeah, it sucks. That sucks. Um, I mean, that... Jesus, dude. Ottawa just can't get it going, dude. Like, So you're going to take Ottawa straight up probably versus Hamilton in week five. I'm just going to wait. I mean, like, I'll... Because they probably won't be favored. Like, Hamilton will probably be favored in that matchup. Yeah, I'll probably take them. I'll probably take them, too, actually. Especially if Masoli's starting. Masoli revenge game. Okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, So, just to lay it out, I mean, I... I kind of like Toronto. I want nothing to do in the Winnipeg-Montreal game, and I kind of like Ottawa. Jim, what say you? I like Edmonton straight up, and I like the over in the Toronto-BC game. Those are the only two plays I have this week. And now we get to the granddaddy of them all, the Pittsburgh Maulers against the Birmingham Stallions in the USFL Championship. The line is at 8. Over under is 45 and a half for the game for the first half per our friends on bet online. Uh, Otto, oh, sorry, Birmingham is laying four over under 22 and a half. What say you, my friend? They're like, no, 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 that's the first half. Yeah, that's the first half. Yep. Yeah. First half is four and 22 and a half for the game is eight and 45 and a half. I like the under for both the first half and the full game. And if I'm going under, you know that's too many points for a championship game against a defense who could drag you down to their level. Give me the Maulers plus eight. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Uh, Jim and I are sitting on some juicy futures, so we're not going to be playing the money line. No. Money line at all. Um, God, dude, I wish – it's kind of disappointing how they don't have more props up here. You know what I mean? More like – props for everything we can kind of i agree give them a few more years because like for the gray cup and the cfl they do a little bit better with props when it comes to these things give Mm -hmm. them some time give them a few years to like establish themselves i think maybe year four or five we'll actually see some more uh now props develop now what's what would be more impressive to you the maulers going from worst to winning it or the Stallions winning back-to-back? The Mullers going from worst to first. They were an absolute laughingstock last year. Like, I know they had talented players. I know they had some good players. But the dysfunction in that locker room is a hard thing to fix in one year. Mm-hmm. Worst to first is insane. And I get, like, they they would only be 6-6. Six and six, 
if they do it, but yeah. still, that would be more impressive to me. The Stallions is it's extremely impressive if they went back to back. Only one other team has done it, and that was the Stars back in the eighties. Now, in terms of if you had to bet, and I know, like I I, I hope. I hope these lines get out. I hope I, I hope they publish these. A player of the game. What would be a player of the game you'd you'd look at here? Boogie Roberts. Boogie Roberts. Uh what would be your price point? Uh it'd have to be at least like plus eight hundred. Because it will be a defensive game. And I think I think Pittsburgh is going to have the ability to kind of grind this up. I think um, Birmingham is a little overvalued in the market, if you will. Just because I mean, they the- just whopped on the breakers. And people are going to remember the last thing they see. So I think there's going to be some value on this. Um, Jim, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Jim has a live stream that he's going to be doing for the USFL championship. Uh, little, uh, hopefully his video camera i'm getting a new camera i'm going to best buy tomorrow and getting a new camera so So hopefully hopefully that works jim i'd like to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on why don't you tell everyone where they can find you my friend you can find me on twitter at xfl jim youtube xfl jim i'm everywhere xfl jim twitch tiktok instagram facebook i'm all over everything xfl jim that's where you can find me you can find me mondays on the gymnasium you can find me wednesday nights with this guy right over here uncle rico on spring fever presented by royal retros use code spring fever all caps for 10 percent off at checkout and uh friday picks porch and you know videos i'm around i'm all over and college football tailgate every thursday night my friend and the college football tailgate that's i haven't worked that into my uh my pitch yet because we just started back up so jim i'd like to thank you for coming on i look forward to talking some usfl with you during the game and let's cash some tickets and make some money my friend yes sir please give my boy jim a follow at xfl jim great dude knows his stuff he's gonna be live streaming every single cfl game i believe i know for sure he'll have the usfl game going so make sure to check him out now we're gonna shift our attention over and talk some fantasy football we have reached the part of the podcast where we talk some fantasy football and Guess who's back from his two-week sabbatical? We have Nick, a.k.a. at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Nick, how are you doing today, my man? Great. Good to be back. How are you doing? Uh, doing good. You know, football season's getting closer and closer and closer. And today we're going to be talking about two interesting teams. We're going to be talking about the Titans and the Browns. The Titans, obviously, they kept Ryan Tannehill. They drafted Will Levis in the second round of the draft. So there's obviously some questions at the quarterback position. Just looking at it, per Fantasy Pros, Tannehill is quarterback 32. He's behind Jimmy Garoppolo, hurt, maybe cut. Brock Purdy, hurt, God knows when he's playing. Kyle Murley, Cardinals could sit him out this whole season. C.J. Stroud, rookie, don't know if he's starting. Bryce Young, rookie, don't know if he's starting. Anthony Richardson, rookie, don't know if he's starting. So the market is just insanely down on him. With that being said, do you think we should take a flyer on him in best ball, or should we just pass on him altogether? I'm not messing with Tannehill. I mean, he's there's just too much stacked against him, you know, with two young quarterbacks sitting behind him. I mean, I don't have a lot a, a lot of faith in Malik Willis, um, but you know, I really think Tannehill's gonna he's gonna be out soon. He's gonna struggle, and if he struggles early in the season, he's gonna be out pretty quick. Um, I think they want to get Levis in there, um, you know, sooner than some people think. That's why his numbers are so down um, where he's sitting at quarterback 32 right now, because they're thinking he's not going to play very much this year. The last couple of years, the Titans offense is central centered around, excuse me, Derek Henry. Last season, Henry, was great, finishing with 302.8 fantasy points, 17th overall in running back four. He had an insane 75% of his team's red zone carries last season, which was the second most in the league. Flip side, he's another year closer to 30. Are we drafting Derrick Henry this season? 
Uh, I mean, one thing to note is that last season, his production in games decreased in the second half versus the first half. Um, you know, he had basically the same amount of carries, but his yards per carry decreased almost two yards from the first half to the second half. You know, teams obviously making adjustments. Uh, you know, maybe it's him getting a little tired. I don't know. But, you know, that being said, I'm still in on Derrick Henry um, just because of the way they run their offense. You know, everything runs through him. He's the guy. And we know he's going to get his carries. We know he's going to get his red zone opportunities. As you mentioned, the 75% of his team's red zone carries last year. I mean, if you really look at this, inside the 20, 36 carries, 118 yards rushing, and 11 touchdowns. Inside the 10, 17 attempts, 27 yards, 10 touchdowns. Inside the five, 15 attempts, 24 yards, 10 touchdowns. I mean, these numbers, that's a lot of touchdowns. You know, inside the five, 88% touchdown to attempts. I mean, those numbers, you can't really argue with that. You know they want to give him the ball. He's going to be the guy. They're going to have to lean on him even more this year. Because of the whole quarterback situation, I I'm still in on Derrick Henry. Yeah, I guess it just kind of means like if you think they're going to be able to get down there, to that's score. true. That's the only thing. <laughs> Are they going to be able to get there? <laughs> also, the wear and tear on this body—that's the one thing. And yeah. I kind of, but I, on the flip side, I kind of feel like everyone's been the last couple of years. This is going to be the year. This is going to be the year. This is going to be the year. You know, and he keeps on just producing just insane numbers. Maybe this guy is. <laughs> Human, I don't know, but well, he's a big dude. I mean, he's he's built pretty pretty tough. Okay. Now, when we flip our attention over to the wide receiver and tight end core, it's kind of interesting to me. You have Traylon Burks, who personally, if I knew that Tannehill was going to play this full season, Burks ADP of eighty three, wide receiver thirty six, going off the board, I would be I would be in on it. I'd be interested, but we don't know that. We have Kyle. Kyle Phillips, who's working the middle of the field. Um, he isn't even being drafted. Could be a best ball punt. I mean, what's what's kind of your head thought process here with the tight with the wide receivers of the Tennessee Titans? Yeah, it's really hard for me to trust any Titans wide receivers, you know, just because of the uncertainty of the quarterback situation. Um, you're right. I would like Traylon Burks too if I knew Tannehill was gonna play, but you know, I don't think he's gonna play the full season. We don't know how the other two are going to do throwing the football. Um, so, you know, the other thing is the way they run their offense. I mean, they're not an air it out type of team. They they like to run the ball. Vrabel likes to play it old school. Um, you know, I'm out on Burks due to the quarterback uncertainty. Now, when we look at the tight end position, there's a player that I find interesting. Okau, the tight end. Tannehill has a history of targeting the tight end. Tannehill has a history of working working the ball across the field. He was second on the team in red zone targets and red zone touchdowns. Could Okawu be the fantasy football sleeper tight end? His ADB is currently 122, and he's tight end 12 on the board. Yeah, I actually like this kid. I like Okonkwo. I think that's how you say it, Okonkwo. Um you know, he's an athletic guy, and he actually averaged 14.1 yards per catch and 9.8 yards per target last season. Um, you know, the QB situation is obviously still a concern for me, but I think he can actually end up between tight end 10 to 12 this season um, because even if Willis or Levis come in there, he's still going to be, you know, a security blanket for those guys. So I actually like him. Now, I'm going to tell you some tight ends and you tell me which one you'd like. Okawu, Dalton Schultz. You know, like I said, Okonkwo is more athletic. Um, Schultz isn't, isn't very athletic, to be honest with you. Um, Okonkwo is actually, he's trending upward for me, uh, whereas Schultz is kind of trending downward in his career. I mean, last year, I believe his, his yards per catch was only 6.5 yards. Um, you know, I, I'm actually going to go, I'm going to go with Okonkwo. I'm going to say he's one, one higher than Schultz in my rankings right now. I respectively disagree. I'm high on Schultz as well. 
<laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not high on Schultz. I think he has a potential, um, but I am a little worried about his downward trend. Uh, okay. Okawu Evan Ingram. I mean, I got to go with Ingram. I think he's still going to have a good year, but I th- still think a lot of people are going to overdraft him, and he's not going to produce what he did last year. <laughs> um. Najoku or Okawu? I don't like Najoku, <laughs> to be honest with you. He always seems to screw me over, except for in certain situational um, situations in, like, DFS. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm going with Okonkwo over over him. Him or Friermuth? Ah, Friermuth. I actually like Friermuth a little bit more. He had 98 targets last year. He only scored two touchdowns, but you know that I think that's his basement. I think he's only going to go up from there. I mean, you can't really do worse than two touchdowns. <laughs> so. Now, um, targets. What are your targets for this team? Who are you looking to draft? I mean, I, I actually like Derrick Henry late second, early third round still. Um, he's, he's like right around, I think he's RB eight 20th overall right now. And I still like him there. I think if you, if he falls back into the early third round and you're, you have one of those early picks, I mean, I think that's a steal. Um, and then I like Okonkwo as a, you know, tight end 10 to 12. And then, um, you know, one thing I didn't mention, Kyle Phillips across the middle that you were talking about. I would take him as possibly late, late round flyer, um, you know, as a guy. I don't know if I'd fully target him, but maybe as a late round flyer. I like, you? I like Henry, but in the fourth. And uh, Ooh, I don't think he's going to be in the fourth, but maybe. Fourth, but you know <laughs> I don't know I what like league him. you're playing, but I don't know if he's going to end up in the yeah. fourth. Round. I like him. In the fourth. Well, just hear me out, okay? I think there's going to be a wide receiver premium league. And I was talking to someone about this um, earlier today. I wanted to run it by you. Tell me your thought. He told me what he's going to do with certain teams, teams like the Packers, teams like the Seahawks, where there's just like two dudes Mm -hmm. that he's just going to draft. Like he'll draft both Dylan and um, Jones for the Packers. Put one guy in the flex, the other guy at the running back position. Just because he's like, look, I just want the points for the Packers running backs because that's going to be their whole offense. Yeah. And you know then, what I mean? Like, yeah, same thing for Walker and uh, the and the, the new guy there. Yeah, the kid from um, UCLA. Yeah. Interesting concept. I don't know. Um, Nick and I will go into draft planning a little bit later on, closer to your fantasy football drafts. Next, we're going to shift our attention over to the Browns. With the Browns, a lot depends on how good Deshaun Watson is this season. We saw him struggle coming back last year. In six games, he scored 90.6 fantasy points, averaging 15.1 fantasy points per game. He only topped the 20-point mark once, and that is usually the floor that we are looking for for quarterbacks. Those that watched Nick during our fantasy football stuff, our DFS stuff we last year know that That's what we want. That's our floor. We want 20 points. Someone that's going to consistently get over 20 points. Are we drafting Watson this year, whose ADP is 72 quarterback nine? We need to remember his last full season playing. He averaged 376.3 fantasy points and finishes QB5. I also think that people forgot about how good Watson was during the RPO. In 2020, rushed for 444 yards. 2019, 413, 2018, 513, having Chubb lined up next to him, how are we going to see Watson? Are we going to see him going back to the running threat he was during his time in Houston? Or with the time off, are we going to see him just kind of be that drop back passer? What 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 are we going to expect here from Watson? Yeah, look, I mean, Deshaun Watson is a gamble due to what we saw last year in the in the few games that he played. But I think with a full training camp, full season ahead of him, some of those distractions finally going away. I, I would draft Deshaun Watson in the right situation. Um, 
you know, he has a stud running back, Nick Chubb, next to him. Um, you know, he's got a pretty decent wide receiving core. And this is the best offensive line that Watson has played behind. Uh, so, I mean, we could see a dip in his rushing because he won't be scrambling to avoid the sacks. But, you know, the RPO could still be there at his advantage. And he could he could throw the ball more. But I think either way, you have you – have, he has the ability to get back to what he was before and score those points. Now, with Kareem Hunt being gone this year, are we finally going to see Nick Chubb being that fantasy football stud we all know who he can be? One word, absolutely. <laughs> I. It's kind of crazy. Like, when you look at him, his lack of red zone carries – he had 37 last year, which don't get me wrong, 37, 13th most in the league. But when I see Travis Etienne with more red zone carries with me, it blows my mind. Inside the five-yard line was a little better with 12 carries, eighth most in the league. But in my eyes, he should be well over 20 for the year. Am I crazy to think that we're going to see his production inside the red zone go up a little bit more? No, you're not crazy. I mean – if Stefanski is smart, he should be utilizing Nick Chubb as that inside the five guy more often than they did last year. Um, the only, the only caveat is Deshaun Watson, where he's going to take some of those opportunities just because he is a threat with his legs. So, but same token, they need to get Nick Chubb the ball more if they want to win. They need to get him the ball inside the five more bottom line also chubb was rb6 last year and wasn't really a factor in the receiving game with cream Hunt being gone and 44 targets from the backfield available am i crazy to think that chubb could be a top three fantasy football running back this season no again not crazy i like nick chubb as finishing as a top three running back um I believe that Stefanski gets Chubb involved in the passing game and Chubb could easily turn into an Eckler of the past couple of years. I mean, we know he can run the ball 20 times a game and, you know, the fact that he, he ended up RB six last year with zero factor in the receiving game is crazy to me. Like just give him, have him catch 20 balls <laughs> and you know, he's going to be, he's going to be easy top five. Now, I'm going to say a player, and you tell me which one you draft. Chubb or JT, Jonathan Taylor? Every week, you're always trying to get me to pick somebody over Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> I mean, I'm picking Chubb over Taylor. I know, I know, I know. And, okay, this one this one is, is tough because um, I think Nick Chubb is going to have a very good year this year, but I still am going to stick with my guns and say JT is still number one. So I'm going with JT still. Um. Chubb or CMC? Man, you're making making these tough choices here. Now, again, I think I think CMC can be the number two, and Chubb can be number three. So I'm still going to go with CMC only because I trust Shanahan more than Stefanski. <laughs> now, Chubb or Austin Eckler? I'm going with Chubb. Like I said, I think Chubb. I mean, as long as Stefanski gets Chubb involved in the passing game. I think Chubb's going to be this year's Austin Eckler. And the thing, like, and we'll get to the charges in a couple of weeks, and but I'm letting everyone know there is no way in hell I'm touching Austin Eckler. Because Me neither. <laughs> people need to understand in this fantasy football thing, and this is the analogy I make it, and it's kind of like the only analogy I can really come up with. It's the game of risk. We each are going to play risk differently. And when you look at the Lombardi offense versus the Kellen Moore offense. Moore doesn't use the running backs in the passing game. So I just, I, I think we're going to see a, a decline, a stiff decline. Off the neck, but we'll talk about that in a couple weeks in the wide receiving room. We have a couple of players that are kind of interesting. We have Amari Cooper who finished wide receiver nine, but in the, in the games Watson played, you know, he only scored 69.8 fantasy points and went over 10 fantasy points twice, but scored under 10 four times. Are we drafting Cooper, whose ADP is 40? 
and wide receiver 17. Did you like my dramatic pause right there? Yeah, yeah. I was like, did, did you, you did you my dramatic pause right there? <laughs> did you drop your internet there for a second? <laughs> no, I just, just doing my little dramatic pause. I uh oh, I really think I really think Cooper hit his ceiling last year. I mean, wide receiver nine and with a 14.9 yard per reception average, which was 10th best in the league. I, I'm not in on him being that high. And I think a lot of people are going to overdraft him. I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm not, I'm not sold on Amari Cooper. I mean, in certain situations, if there's, if he drops back and there's value, I'll take him, but I'm not taking him that high. Huh. Now my favorite game, I'm going to list a couple players. You tell me who you would take. Are you ready for this? My friend mm-hmm. Cooper or Keenan Allen. Now, actually what you just talked about with Kellen Moore, um, you know, not having the running backs as involved. Uh Oh, Seems like Nick has frozen for a minute of receptions this year. And I think I'm going with Allen over Cooper for now. Nick, it's I, I think you're making a great point, but you talked about internet freezing. You threw that in the air and you froze. So you're going to have to repeat. Oh, oh, man. Okay. Well, again, I said Kellen Moore's offense, they – they don't pass to the running backs as much. So I think Keenan Allen's going to get even more receptions as long as he stays healthy. I'm picking Allen over Cooper because of the Kellen Moore offense. Okay. DK Metcalf or Cooper? DK. Okay. I still like I still like DK even with Geno. I, I think I mean he he had a good year last year. And there were still a bunch of missed opportunities. He also had a pretty high red zone target um, that Gino still likes to target him. And I think he's, he's still going to have a real good top 15 wide receiver year. Now, Debo or Cooper? Oh, I mean, I'm going with Debo as I just like how dynamic of a player he is. Um, and I like, I still like him in the Shanahan offense. Um, I just want, I want them to get back to him running the ball a little more and saving CMC some, because if they overrun CMC, he's going to get, uh, he's going to get injured. So I think they need to give Debo more rushing opportunities this year again. And I think with that, he'll be, better than Cooper. Now we have Dante Peoples Jones. What are your thoughts on him with Watson as a QB? He went over 10 points three times and scored, but he scored under 10 points three, three times. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's a boomer bus fantasy guy for me. Um, you know, there were, there was a little streak last year where he was valuable in DFS. Um, so I think he's, he's a situational play in DFS drafting him. I'm not drafting him. Um, now Cedric Tillman rookie from Tennessee. What are your thoughts on him? Is he worth a flyer? I mean, if he didn't get hurt, he would have been a first round draft pick or did they just kind of draft him to be the replacement for Cooper? He's going to be a punt this year in best ball. Some weeks will go off. There's an injury. You need to draft him. What 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 are your thoughts on on, on Tillman? Yeah, I think this year he's going to be kind of a plug and play guy. Um, if if Cooper gets injured or something like that, he'd come in and you know help you out or bye week type of thing. Uh, but I think they did draft him to replace Cooper. I mean, Cooper's 29, and they're not going to want to pay him after this season. So. I think. Yeah, I mean, like the big thing is, is they, they save like $20 million if they cut him, which is absolutely absurd to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Another person that the Browns could add, another person the Browns added, excuse me, was Elijah Moore, who they got from the Jets for pennies on the dollar. Moore came into the league with high expectations, never lived up to the hype with the Jets, with 
a change of scenery because he didn't get along with the current coaching staff. Huge upgrade at the quarterback position. Will we see a breakout for Elijah Moore? You know, I actually like Elijah Moore. Um, He, you know, with Stefanski as an OC at Minnesota, which was in 2018 and 2019, 2018 was Adam Thielen's best season of his career, where he had over 1,300 yards receiving, uh, and then he got hurt in 2019, so we won't really count that, but caught because it cost him multiple games. But I think we could see uh, Elijah Moore reinvigorated in Cleveland. Um, you know, he's currently ranked at wide receiver 49, ADP 119, but I could see taking a later round flyer on him because. Um, I take a gamble on him because of because of Stavansky. Now the thing with him and people need to remember this, and it's kind of crazy. When you look back at his rookie season, you see like, and you look at all the guys that finished as wide receiver one: Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, uh, Justin Jefferson, Elijah Moore finished as a wide receiver one in fantasy. One year with the Jets with Mike White throwing him the ball. I think you're right. I think Elijah Moore is kind of a sneaky guy. We can kind of look to get um, get some value with in the later rounds. Another interesting target is David Nujoku. Finished his tight end 11. Had two games over 10 fantasy points after Watson took over. But three games under six and two games under four. He's going off the board this season as tight end 12, ADP of 106. What are your thoughts on Mr. Njoku? Uh, like I said before, I don't I don't want to target Njoku. I mean, he's another boomer bust type of guy, situational uh, play. You know, again, I would I would take him in DFS certain weeks in situations, but you know. Because there's only one ball, he's gonna be he's gonna be the player to suffer the most in the Browns offense, to be honest. I think that's, so. the, I think that's the big thing. You kind of hit the nail on the head. Um there's only one ball, and I think he's gonna be the guy that kind of suffers. Um, you know, just I'm just gonna name three guys. Okay, and you tell me which guy you would want as your quarterback. Mm. Terrence Marshall or Deshaun Watson and for fantasy. Wait, who? Um, Trevor Lawrence, dude. What did I say? Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall. Like... Yeah, I'm thinking of the Panthers. Sorry. Uh, Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson? Ooh. Uh, oh, man. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Trevor Lawrence only because he has Calvin Ridley now. Mm-hmm. And... I had him last year as my backup quarterback and he saved me in a bunch of weeks when I, when I had to throw him in as my backup. So I'm actually going to go with Trevor Lawrence because I like the weapons that he has there with Etienne Ridley. um, Who else? Kirk and Ingram. And I mean, I actually like, I like that team. Good little team. Good little team. Uh, Prescott or Deshaun. Ooh, another tough one. Uh, I'm still gonna have to go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with Prescott. Okay. All right. Uh, Tua. <laughs> Watson. <laughs> yeah, pretty. pretty, uh, pretty easy <laughs> I'm never uh, picking Tua. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't care how good of a season he has. I'm never picking him. <laughs> Nick, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on and talk some fantasy football. We'll be back next week. We're going to attempt to do three teams with the Patriots, uh, Packers, and the Jets. So really looking forward to that. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend? You can find me at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Always a pleasure, Eric. Uh, thanks for coming on, my friend. We will talk next week. You have yourself a good and safe 4th of July. You too. Please give my boy Nick a follow at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Now we're going to shift our attention over to some NASCAR. Brandon and I are going to be going for lucky number six in a row before we get that. News is breaking right now of the tragedy that happened with a contractor being electrocuted on site. Thoughts and prayers to his 
family and that tragic situation. Now let's shift our attention over to Brandon and some NASCAR. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're going to talk in some NASCAR and who better to come on than Brandon at Boston Boy 83. Brandon, how you doing today, my man? Doing good, man. Love to see six in a row. <laughs> I know. We are uh, we have hit five in a row, Brandon, with a great call of Mr. Chastain last week at 10 to yep. 1. Hopefully we can keep the keep the motor going, keep get hot, stay hot. But we have a course where the data is very limited at just because this is the first time running a street race. Not a road course, a street race. What is the difference between a street race and a road race? Turn turns are tight, elevations are awkward, uh, bumps, bridges, all of it. And you're taking the. It's not like Formula One where you're taking these cars that can turn on a dime. You're taking these big boats and pushing them into sharp L's. That it's it's going to be interesting. And unfortunately, I have a feeling that they're going to go into a hard corner early on. And if you have one guy hit the wall, that's just going to stack up the entire pack with nowhere to go. So I mean, two concerns. It's either going to be a giant wreck fest or it's going to be like a train race the whole time where they're just in a line and there's no passing involved. So, I mean, I hope this is entertaining. Um, It's in my neck of the woods in Chicago. I've been going back and forth. I want to go down there. Rains in the forecast. Tickets are pricey as hell. So with that being said, I will probably not be going down there. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna look on a on a on a ticket app right now and see and we'll see what the cheapest ticket is. Okay. okay. I'm gonna say sixty-five dollars will be your cheapest for like general emission. All right. NASCAR Cup Series, Chicago Road Course. Stay tuned. There's no tickets listed here. All right, so I'll Google this. Chicago NASCAR tickets. If there's one for under 50, you got to buy it right now on the spot. And then you got to go live while you're down there. Give away t-shirts and hats. All right, here we go. Grant Park. The cheapest ticket. Are you ready? Yeah. 252 bucks. No, no, thank you. Like, I get it. It's an inaugural race. Like, it, it, it's cool, but... I'm not dropping that. That's what it cost me to stay in the infield for the entire weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So that's just like way too much, you know. Just yeah, can't pull the trigger on that. Let's see what best seat available is. Pit road something. No, this is just the normal East Plaza Club B row nine. Yeah, not going. Um, okay, so. This should be an interesting race. Like I said, we really don't know what's going to be happening here. You mentioned the turns are tight. I will watch an overview of the track. It looks like they have 10 turns. Yeah. Going to be interesting. Uh, Qualifying is really going to be interesting. But my strategy for this is I I have one driver who's insanely hot. I took one driver that won in in one of the first Daytona road courses. And then I took two guys that are good road course runners. That was kind of my strategy because, again, we don't really know what to expect in this because this is the first street racers bet. So my strategy is going to be called out immediately, and people are going to say I'm looking for a safe bet. It may look like that based off the odds, but I'm strictly going road course racers. That's it because this is going to be, to me, harder than your average road course. So if anybody's going to be able to pick it up quick enough, it's going to be your your ringers at a road course. So I'll kick us off. I'm going with the best odds at six to one, Chase Elliott. Nine races left, still has to win to get in. And he's great at road courses. Didn't do didn't do that well at, at uh Sonoma. But uh you know, he's he's got the track record for it for inaugural race here. I'm going Chase Elliott, six to one. Number nine needs to get in victory lane. That's all I'm saying. Um my first one, and I, first of all, I got, I got a, I, I was looking at the, so they built like a little building here. Okay. They literally built this building. It's like an apartment complex, two stories. And you can get in it for $3,000. Okay. Now this is all, this is what you get. 
Um, you get to go to the Xfinity and the NASCAR race. VIP concert viewing to the Chainsmokers, Black Crows, Miranda Lambert, and Charlie Crockton. Unparalleled luxury. Enjoy the beautiful decor. A two-level a two elevated deck with sweeping views overlooking the start and finish line. Thrilling pit roll. Indulge in air conditioner comfort, food, beverage, services, access to premium, premium bathrooms. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. So. Our, RPM restaurants, legendary to the Chicago food scene, will feature an all-inclusive premier menu, including a signature pasta station. Ooh. 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 Section. <laughs> a savor complimentary high-end beverage crafted by RPM mixologists through, served throughout the day with a wide variety of exceptional beers. And I mean, there's just, it just goes on and on and on. But dude, three fucking grand. Are you kidding me, dude? Am I crazy right now? Or am I just an old man that doesn't like to spend money right now? I mean, premium bathrooms, man, that's worth that's worth like 1800 right there, I'm assuming. And then like state-of-the-art pasta. I mean, that's got to be another 1200 So there's your three grand, much less the AC and the beautiful view. I mean, it's just, just a joke, dude. Um, my first you, one, I'm, I took Martin Truex 8-1. to one. I'll just hear me out here. For the last month, what was his worst finish? I want to say eighth. Fifth. Okay. For the last month, his worst finish was fifth. That's insane. He won That's- a Sonoma. Good road course driver. I'm getting some guy, a guy that has had history at road courses, success. Yep. Just one road course. The hottest driver. I'm getting him at eight to one. I'm, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take him at eight to one. All right. I'm very close to you. I do love that pick. He is the hottest driver by far. Um, right below him is a man that no matter what wheel he gets behind, no matter what track he's at, he's always competitive. And if he can figure out anything quicker than any other driver on the circuit, is Kyle Larson himself at seven, seven, 750 to one. I can't not grab him again. Great road course racer. And he's a guy that literally get no matter where he gets into a car, he's successful. So I could see him picking it up real quick. My next one, and I'm taking someone that's insanely under the radar. He, without the shadow of doubt, is having a great season, especially in road courses, and no one is talking about him. Chris Busher at 20 to 1. Last 10 road races, he's finished in the top 10 in eight of them. The last time he didn't finish top 10 at a road course was Coda last year. This this guy is just running well in road courses. He's Mr. Consistency. I think he's going to be in a position to win because in these road courses, the one thing he's shown us is he doesn't put himself in danger. No, no. That's a consistent strategy that he has to where he lets the track come to him. And that that's I didn't see him at 20 to 1, so that's a hell of a pick. So I like Bush at 20 to one. Uh, my next one, I believe we both got a 10 to one dinger. We both are on dinger. What, yeah. what do you like dinger? Not much to say. Road course ringer. That's it. No matter what he gets in, in a road course, he's competitive. Um, he won last week in the Xfinity race. Wasn't a road course, but did well. And uh, he's also a guy I think is going to have to win to get in. He's there in points, very close, but he's not consistent at all tracks. So, I mean, Dinger. Dinger's a ringer. See, see what I did there? That was good. Uh, top 10 and five. Top 10. Um, top 10 five of his last six road courses. And the thing that kind of stood out to me is the first time he ran at the Daytona road course, which was a brand new course, yep. he was in a position to win. Yes. So that's kind of like, okay, good road course, positioner to win. You know, I'm I'm going to take him here. I saw him at 10 to 1. I absolutely love Dinger. Brando, what is your next bet, my friend? All right, so I'm going to drop down just a little bit further. Um, one that's sticking out to me, I was – I'm going to go in a different direction than we discussed. I'm going to go with Cindric at 22 to 1. I was leaning towards Suarez at 25 to 1, but I didn't notice uh, Cindric at 22 to 1, who's also a good road course racer. 
Hasn't done much this year at all. Uh, he won the Daytona 500. Uh, no, he did not. That was the year before. Excuse me. But uh, he's good at road course races. So I'm going to grab another road racer at 22 to 1. And again, no stats behind it, but just a good road course racer. So he's also like another it. guy that needs to win to get in. That seems to be a trend with my picks right now. You got to win to get in. But Cindric, 22 to 1. In. I love it. I love it, my friend. My next one um, and my last one, I am going to take Christopher Bell at 25 to 1. Yes. Did you know since 2020, he has the fourth most road course wins of active drivers? Yes. One at the Daytona um, Daytona road course, two win last 17 races, two win at road courses, two wins, four top tens, five. Um, four, sorry, two wins, four top fives, eight top tens. I think he's getting a little overlooked. Uh, good road course driver. He's proven it on the big leagues, proven in Xfinity, and he's just Mr. Consistent. So yeah. I, I'm going to take uh, Christopher Bell at 25 to 1. I got one more for you. I got to throw my long shot. The man did very well at road course races in an Xfinity car. He did very well at road course races before the new next-gen car. He has not done well in these new cars whatsoever. But if you notice how I drive on a road course, I'm doing Chase Briscoe, 60 to 1. Oof. That is Oof. my long shot. He has not been doing well in this new car whatsoever, period. Not at all. So there is no trend in this new car. There's nothing that builds overly – makes me overly confident – but Chris Busher sitting at 60 to one where he knows how to run at road courses mm -hmm. outside of this new car, I'm grabbing him solely because it's a street race. So to me, most guys are going to be on an equal playing field. And if anybody's going to give it a run, I like him at 60 to one. I like it. I like it. Brandon, hopefully we can get it going. This would be six in a row, which would be absolutely absurd. Hopefully you guys have been cashing making some money. So just to review the four I bet are Truex at eight to one Busher at 20 to one Dinger at 10 to one and Christopher Bell at 25 to one. Brandon, what are you working with my friend? Chase six to one Larson, seven fifty to one Dinger, eight to one Austin Cindric, 22 to one and Chase Briscoe, 60 to one. Let's get it. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. My friend six oh, for 60. Hopefully we're talking and going for seven next week. Best of luck in your bets, and we'll talk soon, my friend. Enjoy. That's it for the podcast. Please make sure to leave a comment, like this podcast. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. A reminder that ETOF21 Sports Show is back live. Actually, going to be taped Tuesday night because that is the 4th of July. Again, thanks for tuning in. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Until next week, boys and girls.